sermon tonight comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll start the reading at verse 6 and read through verse 19. I'm going to move back to verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men want into to get rich ruin, and fall into temptation and a snare the love of money many is a root and harmful. all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word that is forever and ever. That it is forever certain 
and it will never pass away. Father, we lift our hearts to you and we pray for your great work in us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, that we would not have our blind spots and continue to walk in the shadows that we've been walking in far too long. We ask that you would bless us and that you would help us, that you would grant us repentance and that you would be glorified. We need you, Father, and we need this good testimony in the world that we are yours and we follow you, that we can proclaim how excellent you are, that more and more people would be transitioned from darkness to light and that you would be glorified in their worship and glorified in their obedience. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's described to us here that we are in danger of falling. Falling is the the fear of the infant and the fear of the old. (laughs) Falling is the fear of the adventurer when he has his head on right. Have you had a scary fall? Have you had that sensation? Have you leaned back in a chair at some point and all of a sudden there was that, that jerk or that fear or has a jerk walked up to you and grabbed you and said, saved your life at the end of a dock or at the edge of a cliff? Have you been afraid of falling? Here, as we look at the scripture, there's a, a warning here for us in verse 9. Falling, a snare, many harmful and Foolish desires, plunging men into ruin, plunging men into destruction. The very root of all sorts of evil, now being pictured as wandering away from the faith, pierced with many griefs. Can you hear this casually? Can this word just go in one ear? and out the other for you. This great warning and this terrifying threat that is placed there for us, that we are in danger. My children are older now, and when my children got to the age to understand language a bit, I would tell my children one time, don't do this. If they continued on, my next warning was, you are in danger. And they knew that I meant it. If we look here, as we're being told that we're in danger of a fall and destruction and ruin, can you hear this and believe him? Can you know that the God of heaven speaks the truth and speaks life to you? That there, are, there is weight to his words of life and there is weight to his words of death and destruction. Now the place that we come to and where he's bringing us is a place of joy. So on one hand, he gives us joy and peace and contentment. On the other hand, he speaks to us and says, fall and ruin and destruction call you to this place, to this place of contentment, to a place of trust, to a place of great gain, as he himself is 
our reward. The call for you tonight is to pursue godliness with contentment. Our first step, number one, is treasure godliness with contentment as great gain. What gains are you looking for in life? Where are you working the hardest? I have a son who's a trained personal trainer, and he talks about gains. He loves the gains. I run. I love the gains. I will work hard to be faster, work hard to be able to run farther. And some of you will scoff and say, well, that's dumb. (laughs) But where do you work? What are your gains? What are you striving for? Is it, again, aimless distraction? Is it money? Is it a good reputation? I noticed in my own life that I I would work to have something of a a good reputation or what I considered good with people. I learned that I would throw out little statements that would shock people and surprise people, things that were just on the edge far enough that I couldn't be disciplined, but still people's jaw could be dropped. And I had some formula in my head for doing that. I wanted to affect people. And I wanted them to remember me. It was a status thing. And eventually I began to wonder what would it be like if instead of them remembering me, they could remember Christ. What are these great gains? Where would you position yourself? Verse 6, godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Now, the other side, and all of us will experience this in degrees, the other side from verse 5 describes men of constant friction, constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain that they exalt themselves in their so-called faith. They put themselves forward, many of you. Now, I don't, I don't mean to say that you're going to be in one camp or the other on this. I'm going to say that there's going to be overlap for us in degrees. My wife and I were learning this process that we have to be able to say hard things and bad things to each other. We have to be able to, to listen and to understand. We have to be able to say what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And from there, when we mess up, to seek forgiveness and to move on. I'm not working here and striving to say, this is the ideal, what's the matter with you? There's, there's stuff matter wrong with all of us. All of us are on this scale and to degrees we're off and we're wrong and we're sinners. It's expected. We're given the scripture as this infallible rule for faith and life, shown how to move forward together. So this is the invitation for us to move forward together, to labor together. So we are going to be people with friction. We are people with the old man and degrees of depraved mind. To degrees, we're all deprived of the, of the truth. To degrees, we're all after godless gain. 
part of our labor in our lives will be to recognize that and to see the ways where we are in need of repentance and even to ask each other for prayer. We can say, you know, today in the sermon I learned that I'm off on this. Would you pray for me? For my repentance and for my sanctification. It's a beautiful place of humility in which to live where we're not all just pretending like we've arrived. That we're all perfect and perfect believers. A part of the way that we will posture ourselves is in our goal and the direction that we are taking in our lives. And this is our second step. To set your heart on the long goal. Verse 7. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. I had the opportunity to have a Bible study in the jail, and a, a guy, after I read this, he looked at me and he said, That's right. Naked we come, naked we go. <laughs> naked we come, naked we go. There's nothing that we can gather up that we will have, that we will take with us. A beautiful thing that we do have, though, a beautiful thing that goes on is the glory for Christ that we can inspire in others. That we can proclaim his excellence, his beauty, his majesty. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, of a man who is laying up his treasure on earth. Luke 12, starting with verse 15. Then he said to them, Beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. And not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store up my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease. Drink. Eat and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What are you pursuing what are your gains? It is a beautiful truth that you are on a foundation and in a position to seek eternal riches. You can proclaim the excellence of Christ. You can proclaim his glory, his righteousness, his beauty. We can proclaim him as king. Now, Jesus continuing on from this place in Luke 12, I'm 
I'm about to drop a bomb on you and a bomb on your world. I ask you to brace yourself and to go ahead and say to yourself, whatever Jesus tells me to do, I'm going to do. Luke 12, starting with verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, nor moth destroys. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How much have we done this? When I have extra money, I look for what toys I can buy. I'll save up money, even for aimless distraction. Is there a guilt on us? Is there a judgment upon us? Because we care more for our toys? than for the poor. I don't see how there can be another answer to that question other than yes. We look at our culture and we see how materialistic it is. Do we imagine that we have been able to live in a materialistic culture without having been pulled away by it? Like children playing in the surf? We eventually look up and say, where'd my hotel go? It appears that we, as a church, have been pulled far down the beach. We've been pulled far away from having hearts that sell our possessions to give to the needy, to lay up our treasure in heaven, that our heart would be there as well. What is a rich person? We just read, warn those or instruct those who are rich not to trust in their riches. I think we'll probably just have to compare it to the wealth of the rest of the world. The average person on the planet and ask the question, how much more do we have than them? Here in verse 8, it describes the position that we are to be striving for. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. I'm not content with just food and covering. (laughs) And it looks like that's sin. I asked one of my children when I was catechizing them 15, 16 years ago, what is sin? I wanted the, the shorter catechism answer. Any want, um, any, sorry, I can pull somebody out. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. My little boy, Amos, was about four at the time when I asked him what is sin, and he shrugged and said, disobeying God. I was like, oh. I wanted to grab my catechism and <laughs> scratch out my answer. 
my other son, one of my other sons, uh, when I asked him, he said, sin is like, and his grief came on his face. And it looked pretty pure. <laughs> he said, it's when you let God down and you let your parents down at the same time. What are we called to? What are to we, we to be striving for? Where are, we, where are we to be content with our necessary food, our necessary covering, our shelter and our clothes? And I want to point out that it's our necessary food, our necessary covering. This brings us to our next step. Just take the warning. Look at verses 9 and 10 together. So talking about being rich. I don't know how many of us would consider ourselves being rich, but look, look on the scale, the degrees in the world. If we've got more than our necessary food and covering, we're rich. Verses 9 and 10. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. If, you, if you've worked with people in this world, you have seen people who fall into temptation. If you work with people in the church, <laughs> you see people who fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which have plunged, plunged them into ruin and destruction, right? You've seen that. We were, one man that I had the opportunity to work with, he came out of the jail and we got to work with him. Things were going well and I was so excited and I was so happy. Next thing I know, his story and his wife's story doesn't line up anymore and things start falling apart in their lives and it turns out he had visited a family member who offered him cocaine and he took cocaine again and everything literally became horrible. We went from this place of climbing and making progress and worship and glorifying the Lord to standing with a machete and threatening the police and him releasing his pit bulls on them and the SWAT team being there and him being arrested and thrown back into jail. And I came home to my kids and I asked, have I told you don't use cocaine? <laughs> and they looked at me and said, no. I said, don't use cocaine. Turns out it's a mess. It's terrible. We could say he fell into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires and that it plunged him into ruin and it remains to be seen to what degree destruction. How do you line up with this situation? You're being warned of a snare. Harmful foolish desires that plunge people. And Christ is saying will plunge you into ruin and to destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Now, when we put a sign on something that says danger, generally we know we're going to stay away from that. Unless you're like me. It's like, oh. Now, a warning for a young boy is almost as good as an invitation. <laughs> this sign here, it says evil, riches, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And yet, don't we look and say, oh, this is what I want. This is my desire to keep moving beyond my necessary food, my necessary shelter, my necessary clothing. But hear this, the love of money is this picture of falling, a snare, many foolish and harmful desires that will plunge you and by connection everyone that's tied to you into ruin and plunge them into destruction. The very root of all sorts of evil, even wandering away from the faith, described also as pierced with many griefs. Hear this warning. Now, with the warning, there's the call in the other direction. This is our fifth step to take hold of eternal life. We come back to Paul's great charge as he stands with God himself. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. When I've read that over the years, I was like, what did he say before Pontius Pilate? That's particularly relevant here. When we go and we look, Jesus says in John 18:36, "My kingdom is not of this world." There's his testimony. "My kingdom is not of this world." And then our position and our testimony is the same. "I am a part of a kingdom, but it's not of this world." I have my necessary food, my necessary shelter, my necessary clothing, and now I can bless you. I can give you what you need because my kingdom is not of this world. Silver and gold I may not have, but what I do have I can give to you, as the apostle said. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, repent. And believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed. This instruction, back in verse 17 now, instruct those, in, instruct those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. When I first got saved and I, I learned about tithing, I didn't make very much money. And I went to my pastor and I was like, all right, this tithing thing. He said, yeah. I said, if I do this, 
God's going to take care of me. Right? He looked at me and he squirmed a little bit and he said, yes. I said, all right, I'm in. If I do this, he's going to take care of me. Right? Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things. And it's, it's, it's lovely that it says here in verse 17, to enjoy. It's great what he gives us, the ways that he blesses us, giving us all things, not just for our necessary food and shelter and clothing, but with all things to enjoy. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is is life indeed. Have you gotten to give away a little stack of money before? It's a hoot. <laughs> it's wonderful. There's a family with which we are acquainted. They are admittedly financially lower class. When their daughter got to go to TFY, I asked her, how was it? And she said, I got to see how the middle class lived. I asked, how was it? And she said, cushy. <laughs> now, they, they admit and they consider themselves to be lower class financially. They have been the most generous people financially that I have ever known. And it's shocking. And they've been inspirational to us. It is a wonderful opportunity to be able to store up, to give to others in need. Haven't you known the blessing of obedience? Haven't you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I would like to say I am inviting you to this place, but that's it's a little too gentle for this scripture here. It's a command. It's a charge. It's a demand being placed that Christ even said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Lay up treasures in heaven and make for yourself money belts that do not where out, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I charge you to this place to be content, to be content and to pursue this godliness. This heart responds to Christ. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for loving us and blessing us, for giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. We thank you for your word. 
Father, we lift our hearts to you. Please give us that confidence, that faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, this true belief that you are, not only that you are there, but that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. Thank you for this opportunity to adjust our steps, to repent of our sin, to walk the pathways that you have shown us, that you would be glorified as we proclaim you. We love you and we thank you. May we be your faithful servants for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.